Welcome to Eve's Corner. Eve's Corner is a show of encouragement, enlightenment, and empowerment. And I'm very happy that you've joined me on today. I am Prophetess Amina Campbell. I will ask that you please forgive my voice. I have been dealing with the flu all this week. Um, So because I know God is a healer, the show still goes on on today. Um, My body may not recognize it just yet. I've been doing the things that I need to do. Thank you for those who have been in prayer with me in regard uh, to the illness. But I do know God is a healer. The Word of God says that by His stripes I'm already healed. So I'm just waiting for my body to align with the Word of God. So therefore, that means that my voice may be kind of in and out today. So again, I'll ask that you forgive me. But my spirits uh, are, are still where they need to be. Um, so I'm encouraged on today by the word of God. Amen. Because I know that God is faithful. Amen. So again, thanks for joining. Thanks for those who are joining the show who are new on today. Hopefully you'll be able to gain some enlightenment and encouragement as well. Thank you to those who continue to support Campbell Ministries and our supporters of Eve's Corner and who hang in there with me every other Saturday. Um, with your prayers, um, whether it's by financial support or whether it's just by giving an encouraging word or saying, hey, I enjoyed the show on today. I appreciate you as well. You always need to know um, if people are being blessed by the things that you do in ministry. One of the things that uh, happens with those who are in ministry sometimes is you don't necessarily know because people don't say anything. You just have to be encouraged to go ahead and do what thus said the Lord. But for those who send an encouraging word and those, you know, who say something on Facebook or those who shoot me a text after the show or those who give me a phone call after, I'm so glad that uh, you guys have been blessed by the show. And I pray that God continues to shower you with many more blessings via the show via your relationship with God, via your studies of the Word of God. I know that the Word says that His Word is a light unto your feet and a lamp unto your path. So I'm I'm excited in knowing that you're able to gain something. Nonetheless, today's show is entitled, Check Your Crowd. We'll be talking about Brother Zacchaeus over in the book of Luke the 19th chapter. Again, that topic is check your crowd. So if you want to go ahead and grab your Bibles, go over to the book of Luke, the 19th chapter. We're going to begin at the first verse, but before we do, we're going to pause for a word of prayer. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, 
I thank you now, God, for our many blessings. I thank you, God, for watching over us and for keeping us, God. I thank you, Lord, because you are just a mighty good God. I thank you, God, because you sit high, but you look low, and you continue to come and see about us. I thank you, God, because you are our healer. You are our deliverer. I thank you, God, because you have set us free. And your word says, whom the Son has set free is free indeed. I thank you, God, for the liberty that you've given us. I thank you, God, that you've taken away the bondage. I thank you, God, that you are everything that we need for this time and this season. God, we just glorify you and we praise you now for everyone who is connected to this ministry on today. I pray now, God, that you bless them individually, God. Bless them collectively, God. I pray that you encourage those who are discouraged on today. Lift up their bowed down heads. I pray now, God, that you touch those who may be sick and or afflicted, God. See about us on today, O Lord. I pray now, God, even for financial blessings, God, because your word says that you give seed to the sower. So we thank you now, God, that your people are sowers in the name of Jesus. And that means that you'll continue to provide seed. I thank you, God. That your word says that as we tithe and as we make sure that there is meat in the storehouse, then you will also see about our house. God, I glorify you and I praise you that as we are obedient unto your word about our finances, that you will continue to bless us to have more to give. Your word says that as we give, it will be given unto us. And so we thank and we praise you now for an understanding of your word as it relates to our money. We thank and we praise you now, God, for an understanding of your word as it relates to our healing and our deliverance. We thank and we praise you now, God, because your word will bring understanding and enlightenment in every area of our lives. God, we pray now that you move by your spirit on this morning. We bind every hindering spirit. We bind everything that will come against us on this morning to cause your people not to be able to receive this word. We thank and we praise you now, God, because you're going before us to make all our crooked places straight. We thank you, God, for opening doors. We thank you, God, for binding the enemy on every hand. We thank you now for your blood covering. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray. We count it done by faith. We declare and we decree that everything we agree upon this morning is so. We say it is so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, we are in the book of Luke, in the 19th chapter, and this morning I'll be reading from the NIV version of the Bible. Again, we are talking about Zacchaeus on this morning, who was a tax collector. Now, we're going to go through verses 1 through 10, but our focus and our topic for this morning is going to come from verse 3. The Bible reads as follows. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen. We've read verses 1 through 10 of Luke, the 19th chapter from the NIV or the New International Version of the Bible. So we find here Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. 
So already from the very start, people don't like tax collectors, you know, as as are some of us right now at tax season. We, we are not happy campers because we're paying money into the government and the government expectation, as with in Zacchaeus's time, was that they would take care of the things that are needed for the city or the state or whatever, the branch of government um, that everybody's supposed to be pouring into. And what happens a lot of the time is that the tax collectors were not honest people. There were cases where people were overcharged. There were cases where the tax collectors would take the money and do other things with it. And so, of course, negative things were assumed about Zacchaeus because he was a chief tax collector. And the Bible says that he had money. So you got to got some money. You got a big house already. You're suspect. And some of you all know what I'm talking about. It doesn't even matter if you haven't done a thing, if you haven't stolen a thing, if you've never done anything wrong. Oftentimes, people suspect that you've done something out of the ordinary in a negative way if you've got more money than they do. So here it is. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, the chief tax collector. But the Bible also says that he's a descendant of Abraham. And we also know from this example that Zacchaeus is a very good example of Jesus's mission to bring salvation to the lost, because that's what the Bible says in the 10th verse. So here it is, this man, Zacchaeus, here's the Jesus is coming through. He wants to see him for himself. He's a wealthy man, but he obviously doesn't have everything because he recognized that, hmm, maybe I need to hear, see some about this Jesus. I need to see what he looks like. I need to find out more because he had heard about Jesus prior to his arrival. Now, Jesus had been going around healing folks and folks were getting delivered and set free. So even the wealthy man wanted to know about Jesus. Don't you all know it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter what your job title is. Everybody needs Jesus. Don't assume because a person is at one financial status or another or they appear to have everything because they have things. Don't you assume that they don't need Jesus. You should still be a witness to everybody about Jesus because we all need Jesus. No man can come to the Father unless they come through Jesus. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He's the door. He's our only way to get to heaven. So if somebody told you something else, I don't care how much you think that you're a good person. I don't care how much you say, well, I'm nice to folks. I give to charity. No, you've got to come through Jesus. And here Zacchaeus understood that he needed to find out about Jesus. Sometimes y'all know folks even come to church and they hide off in the crowd where Zacchaeus was. And they just want to know about Jesus because they heard. They know something is missing in their lives. They may not quite know what it is. But a lot of times folks come to church or hang out with you or talk to you in the break room or even see you in the grocery store. If your light is shining, it's something about you. You have a glow. When you belong to God, when you're a child of God, there is something different about you. So whatever the reason is, a lot of folks will draw to you. And here it is that Zacchaeus was drawn to the vicinity where Jesus was because he wanted to know more. But there's a problem. See, in verse 3, the Bible says he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short in stature, he couldn't see over the crowd. And that's what we're talking about today. We want to talk about checking your crowd. And some of you need to stop and check your crowd. What is the crowd? Well, see, first of all, the crowd is that thing that hinders you from seeing. Zacchaeus was short in stature, so being in the mix of all these folks didn't help him. What is it hindering you from? Well, it hinders you from seeing where you're going, for sure. If, if it's a whole bunch of folks around you, you really can't see clearly in front of you. You can't see ahead like you need to. Because all you can see is the folks around you or the things around you right there that are immediately in front of you. When you're in the crowd, like Zacchaeus, you can't see what's happening. Not just you can't see where you're going. You can't see what's happening. You don't know what's going on. The crowd runs. You run, too, because you don't really know what happened. But they take off running. You're gone. Something must have happened. And you don't have to see it for yourself. You're just doing what the crowd does, right? 
Absolutely. The third thing is the crowd hindered him from seeing Jesus. So it just didn't hinder him from one knowing where you're going. The crowd does not just hinder you from two knowing what's happening. But don't you know your crowd can hinder you from Jesus? The crowd that you're in, whatever your particular crowd may be, is interrupting your progress. See, the thing about the crowd is, he was in the midst of the crowd. They were all out there. But evidently, everybody wasn't doing the same thing. Can you imagine how many folks were gathered around? If you're in the back of that group, can you really see Jesus? Zacchaeus wasn't the only one who couldn't see. Zacchaeus wasn't the only one who didn't know what was happening. Zacchaeus wasn't the only one who could not get close to Jesus. It had to be some more folks, but Zacchaeus had to do something different because of the crowd interrupting progress. Think about it. With all them folks in the crowd, knowing that he was short, did anybody turn around and offer to him, hey, Zacchaeus, let me lift you up. Zacchaeus, you want to stand on my shoulder so you can see? That didn't happen. Think about it. You're in the midst of a crowd. And the folks around you know you can't see either. But did anybody around him say, hey, Zacchaeus, let me help you out, brother, so you can see? Nah, that ain't happening. For several different reasons. One of the reasons is, well, we already talked about it. The people weren't crazy about him anyway because of his job title. Guess what? Somebody don't like you because of your job title. You in the midst of that crowd and they ain't thinking about you. Or the old folks used to say they ain't studying you. Zacchaeus had a big house. Zacchaeus had a lot of money. So these folks already were looking at him with the side eye, as the young folks say. They were already looking at him, thinking, hmm, that's just Zacchaeus. He a thief anyway. That's how he got that big house. That's how he got all that money. You know he ain't paying all those taxes. You know he robbing people. Whatever it is that they thought about him, they weren't crazy about him anyway. So were they really going to help him? No. The crowd ain't really crazy about you. And the crowd will interrupt your progress. Your crowd will hinder you from seeing where you're going. Your crowd will hinder you from seeing what's happening. And your crowd, if you don't do something about it today, your crowd will hinder you from seeing Jesus. Now, Lord knows we don't want that. So Zacchaeus had to separate himself Zacchaeus had to go to higher heights. My brothers and sisters, that's what we have to do on today. We need to separate ourselves from the crowd and go to higher heights. We got to go a little higher. Anytime you're trying to focus on Jesus, anytime you want to do something to make an improvement or you want to progress in some area of your life, you have got to come away from the crowd. You have to separate yourself. It's the same thing if you're trying to get a job promotion. You can't just blend in with the rest of the group. There has to be something different about you. You can't just sit there and be cute. You may have to stay a little later. You may have to come in early. You may have to do a few more reports than someone else. You may have to do a few more presentations than someone else. The difference is you've got to separate yourself from the rest of the crowd. <clears throat> you've got to go to higher heights. Anytime you can't see clearly and you need some answers, you need to go before God. That means you got to go to higher heights. You have got to do something different. Standing there with that same old crowd ain't helping you. Just singing background in the choir ain't helping you. If you want to lead some songs, you're going to have to speak up. You want to become a professional singer, you're going to have to practice more. You're going to have to do some other things. You're going to have to spend some time that other folks ain't spending. You've got to go to higher heights. And that's what Zacchaeus did. He went to higher heights. The Bible said that he climbed up in a sycamore fig tree so that he could see. Get out of the crowd so you can see. Get out of the crowd so that you know where you're going. Get out of the crowd so you can see Jesus for yourself. Hearing about him is not the same. 
hearing other folks when they come in from church talking about, oh, yeah, that was a good word. And you got to hear it through other folks. No, you've got to see Jesus for yourself. So what does it mean then to separate yourself? Well, in 2 Corinthians 6 and 17, the Bible says, therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Don't touch any unclean thing and I'll receive you. God don't want us to be like everybody else in the world. Why do we want to blend in with the world? Why do we want to dress like the world, talk like the world, walk like, act like, do everything like the rest of the world? He wants us to come out from doing what the world is doing. And then he'll receive us. We can't just mingle in with them. Talking to them, telling them about the Lord is one thing. When you start acting like them, who's influencing who? Are you influencing them or are they influencing you? Once Zacchaeus got away from the crowd, Jesus looked up and saw him. And he called him by name and told him to come down. Because it needed, it was a necessity. Jesus said, I must come to your house today. He needed to come to his house. He needed to see about Zacchaeus. How many of us need Jesus to come to our house today? Right now, right this very hour, how many of us have an immediate need and only Jesus can fix it? I'm here to tell you, you can't get it hanging out in the crowd. You've got to separate yourself. And isn't it wonderful just to know that Jesus knows your name? He calls that kids by name. He didn't have to say, hey, who's that little short dude up in the tree? He didn't have to say that. He didn't say, hey, guy, come down here. Who are you? He didn't have to say that. Jesus knew him by name. And guess what? He knows you by name. He knows who you are. He knows what your needs are. He knows all about you. Every situation that you think nobody else knows about. God knows. He knows all about your pain. He knows all about your loneliness. He knows you by name. He knows that you really do want to mate, but you just play crazy. He knows that you really do want children. He knows that you really do want a house. He knows that you really do want a better job. He knows that you want your body healed. You are not content with the situation that you're in. He knows all about you. He knows about the person who's listening right now, who's unhappy in your marriage. He knows all about you. Let him come to your house today. So it's important that we take note of a few things. One, that Jesus knew his name. Two, that Jesus didn't care about all the haters in the crowd that didn't like Zacchaeus anyway. Jesus still wanted to go to his house. He wasn't worried about the haters. Guess what? He ain't worried about your haters either. He going to bless you right in the midst of your haters. He's going to bless you right in the midst of those folks who look at you with the side eye and talk bad about you anyway. He is going to bless you right in the midst. He does not care about the haters who don't want you to get blessed. He is not going to stop your blessings because you got haters. We all got them. Jesus had them. You'll continue to have them. And three... Jesus said that he must go to his house today. That means that it was already purposed. That means that it was already divinely ordered. And that means that it was ordained by God that today was Zacchaeus' day. For some of you, today is your day. God has already ordained it. God has already divinely ordered it. And God has purposed that today... You will come out of the crowd. Today, you're going to higher heights. Today, you will move to a new level. God already said so. For some of you who are listening who might not be saved, today is your day to give your heart to God. What are you waiting on? 
Today, for some of you, is the day for your divine revelation. You finally get it. You finally have an understanding of who God is and what he wants from you. For some of you who are listening right now, today is your day to be healed. It's your day to finally be set free. Set free in your mind. It's your day to finally be delivered. Today is your day. You don't have anything to worry about anyway. What difference does it make? Don't worry about the crowd because they're talking about you anyway. So they're going to talk if you got it. They're going to talk if you don't. Why not go ahead and get your blessing? The folks in the crowd are always going to talk about your flaws. Like they don't have the same kind of flaws. Well, they just point yours out because they don't want anybody to pay attention to theirs. That's all. The crowd doesn't want you to get set free. But God is saying today is your day. He's already ordained it. He's already divinely ordered it. He's purposed it. See, Zacchaeus was under pressure anyway. And you know he was under pressure by the way that he responded when Jesus called him down out of the tree. Well, what you talking about, preacher? When Jesus called him out of the tree and told him he needed to go to his house, he started trying to confess. Naturally, just like some of us do. Well, now nah, nah, you know. You know. I, I ain't the best Christian. That's all right. Come to church with me anyway. Well, now, now, you know, I, I don't really have any clothes. I know. That's all right. Come as you are. Wear what you got. I just want you to be there to get that word. Well, now, now, you know, I ain't, I ain't been to church in a long time, sister preacher. Okay, that's fine. Come with me anyway. I just want you to be in the fellowship of the saints. We just want to love on you. Well, same as Zacchaeus's case. He started talking about money and, well, you know, if I took anything, you know. But that's basically because there was a conviction in his heart. That's basically because something was different now that he had this interaction with God. So he did, just like most of us do. Guess what? Zacchaeus, you got to know. And for anybody that's like Zacchaeus who's listening today. You cannot fix your sins because you give money. A lot of folks come to church on Easter and give all the money in their pocket. Well, that's great. We're glad you donated to the church. But don't think you can buy your way out of sin. You can't fix your sins because you show up in church. Because you donate your time and money. A lot of people give to those who are less fortunate just because of guilt. That's not how you get out of sins. There's only one way for your sins to be washed away. And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't do the right things for the wrong reason. But what's important here is that when Jesus comes into your life, there has to be a change of heart. And that's what happened with Zacchaeus. Whatever you give and whatever you do, you just give it unto, as unto the Lord. You can be a blessing to people, but you make sure that you don't give anything with any expectation. You're giving it to God. So your expectation can't be from the people. You can't have an expectation from God because you can call the word back to God. Many times when I have a need, I sow a seed and I call the word back to God. Lord, your word says you give seed to the sower. So I'm sowing more seeds because I have a need. Amen. But don't have an expectation of people. What happened here is Zacchaeus had a change of heart. So he wanted to do. He wanted to give. He wanted to restore anywhere where he had messed up or caused people problems from a financial standpoint. He wanted to give back four times as much. But we have to remember, don't do things to be seen and recognized by folks. They're going to talk about you anyway. Those same people are talking about you right now. Those same people are saying, you know how she got that job, don't you? Well, you know how she got that house, don't you? You know how he got that car? Girl, he ain't working that many hours overtime. Girl, you know he's selling drugs. You know somebody saying it. You know somebody saying it. They're going to talk about you anyway. So don't do things to be seen of man. Don't do things so somebody can say, ooh, she is such a sweet person. She just gives and gives and gives. Don't do things because you think somebody's going to give you a compliment. Do it because... God has pricked your heart. Do it because there's been a change in your heart. And that's what happened here. 
once Zacchaeus's heart changed, then Jesus said salvation has come to this house because he came to seek and save the lost. Right then and there, Jesus forgave Zacchaeus. And he made it clear that this is why I came. Even though the crowd didn't think that Zacchaeus was worth it. And guess what? We're as filthy rags. None of us is worth it. But Zacchaeus' sins had been forgiven because that's what Jesus came to do. For those who are listening on today who are not saved, Jesus came just for you. He came to seek and save those that are lost. Chapter 19, verse 10, look at it. Jesus came to save those that were lost. He came for you. It was purposed. It was divinely ordered. It was in the plans that Zacchaeus would be saved. And so can you. See, when you make up in your mind to come out of the crowd, your focus begins to change. You stop focusing on what you can get, what you can gain. And you begin to focus on what you can give. You just want to give. You want to be a blessing. You want to help people. You want to do. When your heart has been changed and you come out of the crowd. When you come out of the crowd, you stop trying to please people. You stop doing things because you see that somebody's looking and you do the right thing even when nobody's looking. You don't care what people think. Your focus is all on Jesus. When you come out of the crowd, you have a clear focus. Things become much more clear for you. You have a better understanding. God begins to reveal to you more and more day by day as you study his word and spend time with him when you come out of the crowd. Because remember, the crowd messes with your focus. You, you can't see clearly with all those folks around you. Again, and that's whatever your particular crowd is. When you come out of the crowd, you recognize that nothing is too hard for God. There's nothing that's too big for him. There's nothing that's too far gone for him. Your particular issue is not too bad for him. Your illness is not too much for him. I don't care what your illness is. God is a healer. I know people right today who have been healed of AIDS and HIV. I know people right today who have been healed of cancer. I know people today who have been healed of all kinds of sickness and disease. Miracles and healing didn't stop in what we call the Bible day. God is still healing in 2017. He's still a healer. He is still a deliverer. But for you to understand that you've got to come out of the crowd. You're not too far gone. You just have to apply your faith. If you have as much faith as a grain of a mustard seed. And for those who, uh, who are country and you know a mustard seed is about the size of a pinhead. It's small. If you just have that much faith, God will take that and increase it. If you just have a little bit of faith and understand God is a healer and you keep standing on his word and you keep confessing his word. Your walk changes when you come out of the crowd. The way that you talk changes when you come out of the crowd. Coming out of the crowd does a lot that people haven't even thought about sometimes because you're just so used to being in the crowd. You're used to being in the mix. Used to being out there with your people. When Moses separated himself from the crowd, he had an experience with God. He had an encounter with God, but most of us know as the burning bush. But he had an encounter with God like no other. God began to speak to him about his purpose because he came out of the crowd. He was away from everybody else. No matter what the reason is, he was away from everybody else finally. And God could deal with him and talk to him and speak to him. He spoke to him about his purpose. He spoke to him about his calling. He spoke to him about what it was that he wanted him to do. He spoke to him about what was already divinely ordained for Moses to do. He was the perfect person to do this. 
See, God is already aligning things concerning your life, concerning your calling. At that time during that experience, God told Moses his significance. Many of us live many, many years and don't know that we are significant. We don't know what it is that God wants us to do. We don't understand God's plan for our lives. And some of us aren't looking for it because you're still in the midst of the crowd. You're not ready. It was when Abraham left the crowd at the foot of the mountain when he got ready to go up to sacrifice. He left the crowd, but it wasn't until he left them and went up and trusted God that he was able to understand God's provision. See, it's one thing for you to talk about how God is a provider. It's another thing for you to not have anything and God has provided for you. See, when you've experienced it for yourself, oh, you're in a whole nother realm. But you don't get that until you come out of the crowd. It was when Job was away from the crowd. Although he still had to go through some things. But when it was done and over, God blessed him with double for his trouble. But he couldn't just go with the crowd because the crowd was telling him, man, you know, you must have done something. His own wife was saying, you know, just go and curse God and die the way you're suffering. I mean, goodness. But it was when he decided to talk to God and pray for all those crazy folks around him. Not just going on and blend in with the group and be like, yeah, I guess so. I guess God ain't faithful all this time. I thought, uh-uh, no, the devil is a lie. This was the time when Job separated himself unto God, even through his sickness, even through his loss. And that's when he understood that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. That's when he understood that naked that he came into this world. So it ain't about the stuff. Many people live their lives to gain things. No, it's all about God. It's not about the things. But during that experience is when Job understood the real relationship with God. And then God blessed him with twice what he had already. You thought he was rich before. But it was in separating himself from the crowd. When the three Hebrew boys were thrown into the fiery furnace. Oh, they were definitely away from the crowd. Because the crowd was on the outside. Saying, yep, they submit. They ain't bowing down to these idol gods. What we gonna do with them? Yeah, that's what your crowd is doing. Your crowd is sitting back waiting on your demise, some of them. Some of them just kind of sitting back trying to say like, hmm, how's she gonna come out of this one? Well, guess what? With those three Hebrew boys, it was when they were thrown into that fiery furnace. It was when they were away from the crowd. It was when they, as well as their enemies, had to recognize that not only is God a protector, not only do they have to recognize God's power, but they also had to recognize his omniscience and his omnipresence because not only did he protect them while they were down in the fire, their enemies got consumed, but God was right there with them. Who wouldn't serve a God like that? But they had to be away from the crowd. Why was that? So that these people could see the power of God. So that these people could understand that there is one true and living God only when they were away from the crowd. And guess what? When our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, continuously stepped away from the crowd, it was to fast and pray. It was to commune with the Father. It was to prepare for his divine destiny. And guess what? He was also preparing for yours and for my destiny. How is that? Because he was preparing for the sacrifice that he was going to make of his life. He sacrificed his life so that you and I wouldn't have to. He gave of his life. He was preparing. He came to die. He came to be a sacrifice. He came so that you and I might live. 
All of that preparation took place where? Away from the crowd. So I ask you today, who's in your crowd? Like I said, the crowd for some of us may vary. Is your crowd all the auxiliaries and the boards that you hide behind? All the different offices that you chair? You're on the usher board. You're on the deacon board. You're on the take the children on a trip board. You're on the children's ministry. Every board there is, is a new board every week for you. But is that just somewhere that you hide? Is that something that you hide behind because you really just don't want to be at home because you're not happy with your life? Maybe you need to step away from that crowd. Is it the gym for some of you? Is your crowd at the gym? You go seven days a week because you're really paranoid? Why are you paranoid? Because you married to somebody that you think ain't going to want you if you gain five pounds? Is that your crowd? <coughs> it varies. I know. For some of you, just have a whole bunch of friends. You got friends at the grocery store. Yeah, those kind of friends. You know, you got the one friend, Lil Debbie. You got the other friend, Susie Q. Other friend, Twinkie. Your best friend, Bluebell. And you got that other friend, Chester the Cheetah. You have behind food. Is your friend the food that you consume yourself with at night because you're depressed? Is that your crowd? All the snacks. You know your best friend, Hershey? Him. You know who I'm talking about. Is that your crowd? See, your crowd is whatever it is that you hide behind. Or maybe some of you are stuck on that other crowd, that real big crowd. You know, your friends, Jack, Tito, Jose, Jim, or your friend, Mr. Boom, who owns a farm. Is that your crowd? Maybe some of you not that deep. Maybe your crowd is a little lighter. It's children's ministry. You work with all the kids at church, but your own kids haven't had you to help them with their homework ever. They can't have a real conversation with you because they can't talk to you because you're just too busy. Is that your crowd? Anything that makes you look good before the people? What is your crowd? Your crowd is whatever you're hiding behind, whatever causes you not to see Jesus, whatever causes you not to progress and move forward, whatever causes you to be hindered and not do what it is that you need to do for God, to not understand your purpose, to not have a divine revelation. That's your crowd. And some of you think that there is safety in the crowd. It's just a place where you're hiding. Some of you think there's safety because you try to blend in with everybody else because you're trying to look like everybody else. You're trying to act like everybody else. <clears throat> you might hide out in the crowd for a moment, but you might want to ask somebody like Jonah. You know about Jonah. You learned about Jonah in Sunday school when you were young, right? You heard about Jonah and the fish. <clears throat> well, guess what? Just like Jonah, you can try to go in your own direction and you can do the opposite of what God tells you to do. But if God has to send a storm to rock your boat and get you thrown off the ships that you've made, you know, all those ships, the friendships, the kinships, the relationships. Do you know that Jesus is the reason that none of those ships worked out? You got thrown off all those ships. Well, guess what? Just like with Jonah, he'll break them up if he has to. And he'll send a big fish to hold you. Until you give in to his will. Because he's called you out of the crowd. To do his will. But if you're trying to be like Jonah and go your own direction. You might just get consumed. 
Some of us have just been so in love, and in some cases so in lust, that you couldn't even see. Guess what? You are not going to get to do this your way. God has a plan for your life, and trying to hide out in the crowd is only going to slow up progress. You ain't going to stop nothing, because God has already divinely ordained what it is that he wants you to do. You're not stopping anything. Why do you think it's so many people who start preaching in prison? They get a life sentence and all of a sudden they become a preacher. It's like, what? Because they were, they were hiding out in the crowd. They tried to hide anyway. They ran into the wrong crowd. They did what the crowd does. They did something stupid. But guess what? God's will is going to be done. He allowed those same folks to go ahead and go to prison. No, he didn't get them off. He didn't send some fancy lawyer to set them free because he needed to hold them in the belly of that fish for just a little minute so that they could understand and he could get their attention. He slowed them down for a season, just like with Jonah. And then they finally gave their lives to God and they became a witness, even in prison. You ever wonder how that happens? Because God's will is going to be done. You can't just stay mixed up in the crowd. <clears throat> what does it mean to be separate from the world then? That's something that many people have to understand. To be separate from the world, what does that mean? What do you personally need to do to come out of the crowd? What do you personally need to do to be separate? What is it that is lacking? Lord, how do I separate myself I'm glad you asked. Well, biblical separation includes a couple of things. One of the first things is that it requires that you make a commitment to a godly life standard. That means that, I'm sorry, you can't go to every party. You can't eat and drink everything. And I did include eat because a lot of people know that there are things that you're not supposed to be eating for purposes of your health. And you eat it anyway. Drinking everything. And I'm not just talking about alcohol. Some people have health issues where you're not supposed to drink anything with sugar. And you're the first one to grab a Coke. You're the first one to grab a Sprite. But you know that you shouldn't have anything with sugar. That means taking care of your temple holistically. See, a lot of folks point out folks that drink alcohol. Well, you're not supposed to drink pop, but you do. You're not supposed to have sugar in your tea, but you do. It's easy to point the fingers at somebody else. But in making that commitment, that means that you have to live with godly standards. And in included in that is taking care of your temple. So you can't have everything that you're used to having. You can't do everything you're used to doing. You can't wear provocative clothing trying to entice somebody's husband. All those tight clothes and things with all your cleavage hanging out. All those short dresses, trying to get some attention because you want people looking at your thighs. That means that in your making a godly commitment, and it does not mean your dresses have to be to your ankles either. Let me just let me just get that straight for those who are listening and, and want to point fingers at everybody else who wears a dress to come to their knee because you wear yours to your ankles. That's your business. If that's what God told you to do, hallelujah. He ain't tell me to wear my dresses to my ankle yet. But whatever it is, that that godly standard requires for you to do according to the word, according to how God reveals himself to you, those are the things that you have to do. You don't wear clothes to entice somebody to look at your body. Because some folks may wear a long dress, but it's tight. You may have on long pants, but your pants so tight you can count the quarters in your pocket. So it doesn't make you better. You have to have a godly standard. Your heart has to be in the right place. Your heart can't be on having somebody look at you while you up directing the choir and all your body parts are hanging out and everything is bouncing. No, that is not what that means. When your heart is right, you don't want to attract somebody to your body. That's not how you draw them. The Bible says with loving kindness have I drawn thee. Guess what else you can't do? You can't say and do everything that you want to do. 
and put it all in the name of what the Lord said. No, he, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Stop lying on God. You can't just say whatever you want to the people and hurt folks' feelings all in the name of being saved. You draw people with love. You pray for them. Stop being mean to folks and saying what you want to. Stop doing whatever you want to do and then having a different standard for everybody else. You raise all kind of sin and act all kind of foolish, even at church. And then be like, well, the Lord made me bold. The devil is a lie. That's a demon. You hateful. Stop it. You cannot say and do everything that you want to do. The Bible says that you avoid evil when you're living a godly life and you have godly standards, you avoid evil. Guess what else you don't do? You don't yield to temptation. You understand that everything that looks good to you is not good for you. I don't care how much that man say he going to leave his wife. He is somebody else's husband. Stop talking to him. I don't care how much that woman say her husband mistreats her. Long as she's still married to him, stop talking to her. Everything that looks good on the outside is not good for you. Stay away from folks, husbands and wives. People will tell you anything because they are selfish. They want what they want. In order to live a godly life, you got to maintain some standards. You do not just fall for any and everything. Believe me when I tell you, this ain't what I heard, it's what I know. You have to live with godly standards every day. We cannot continue to compromise. We cannot continue to do what we want to do. If you are truly going to separate yourself unto God and be committed to God, you must maintain a standard. You better check your crowd because your crowd will try to make you think that ungodly things are normal. Your crowd will try to make you compromise. Your crowd will cause you not to be able to see clearly and make you feel like, well, it's just a little sin. Everybody else is doing it. No, sin is sin. You have to maintain a standard. If you are who you say you are, if you are this godly man and this godly woman, you have to maintain a standard. You avoid evil. You avoid temptation. If the word said don't do it, ain't no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It don't say, well, you can do it sometimes. It don't say, well, you know, your body has needs. No. The word requires that you maintain a standard. And I'm not going to tell you it's easy because it's not. But you check your crowd. You make sure that the people that are surrounding you are not people who are doing whatever. So they want you to do whatever too so they feel better about themselves. Check your crowd. Okay, what else does biblical separation require? The other thing that biblical separation requires is a commitment to be separate from the world. So you understand, as I said before, that you can't tie yourself up or you can't be yoked with unbelievers. If you're a Christian, you should not be marrying a sinner. How do you raise your children? Your beliefs are conflicting. Your actions are conflicting. You believe in tithing. He wants you to go gamble. What you going to do? The Bible says don't be yoked or tie yourself to unbelievers because righteousness and wickedness have nothing in common. You can't do both. You can't be on both sides of the fence. You have to make a decision. Light and darkness cannot coexist. You can't have a room with the light on and the room still be dark. Either the light is on or it's dark. One or the other. The Bible says that we're all the temple of the living God. And God said that I will walk among them and live with them and be their God and they will be my people. Remember, you're in this world. You're not of this world. You're not supposed to be just like everybody else in the world. So don't tie yourself up with unbelievers. Don't join with unbelievers. You do not have the same mission. You do not have the same goals. I don't care how cute she is. I don't care how fine he is. I don't care how much money he has. I don't care what kind of house she, she has or what kind of car she drives. None of that matters. 
but they just so cute and they so sweet and they treat me like nobody else has ever treated me before. If they are not saved, you cannot marry them. Now, does that mean that you can point them in the direction of the Lord? Absolutely. Does that mean you can take them to church? Yes, you can. But you can't make nobody get saved. You hope that they get saved by the example that you are. But you can't just jump on out there and be like, well, I mean, he out there in them streets, girl, but he be hustling and he always bring his money home. No. If he ain't saved and you are, you cannot marry him. If she's not saved and you are, you cannot marry her. It's a simple fact. And don't have folks doing stuff with the wrong motive. They at church trying to act like they done got saved. And they go in and get baptized. And when the old people say, they go in a dry devil and come up a wet devil. When nothing never changed. Because you've tricked them. Because you told them, you know, I can't marry you unless you say so. They're going to do the, wrong, the, the right thing for the wrong reason. No, you better check your crowd. Do not yoke yourself with unbelievers. The word church in itself means a called out assembly. <clears throat> and even in church, we have to ensure that we're listening to sound doctrine. We have to break ties with cults, groups or sects, S-E-C-T-S, and heresies. Don't have any kind of alliances with an unbeliever. If it's not about Jesus, I don't care if they call it a church. If it's not about Jesus, you better break your ties. This is not about a denomination because there are a lot of different quote unquote denominations who preach everything but about Jesus. They'll get up and do a whole sermon about a choir, about something that happened on TV. I heard a sermon one time about the, the stories, all my children and the young and the restless and all them folks. I, I don't remember in there anywhere anything about Jesus. If it is not about Jesus, you cannot be tied to them. Don't go to church just for a crowd either. If they're not talking about God and talking about how you need to get saved and telling you the truth about how you need to live, guess what? That's an alliance that you need to break. That's a cult. Then they're worshiping an idol God. So whether their idol God is money, whether their idol God is that pastor or preacher, I am telling you that you need to check your crowd. Don't go somewhere just to blend in because they're not going to say nothing about you being shacked up with somebody. Don't go somewhere just to blend in because the choir sound real good. Everybody there got nice cars and you want to get you one too. The devil is a lie. You better check your crowd. It's not about a denomination. So let me say that clearly. It's not, it's not about how good they sing. It's not about how well the pastor can draw a crowd. Cause you know, he stand on one leg and girl, he show be rhyming. He hold his ear and Ooh, he know all the hermeneutics. Okay. Cause he can rhyme. It has got to be about Jesus. I want to encourage you all on today to check your crowd. Check your crowd. Check the things that cause you not to see God clearly. And then make sure that you get it right. If you're not saved, today is a good day. Simply repeat after me. Lord, come into my life. Save me. Change my heart. I want to be more like you. Cleanse me. Forgive me of my sins and make me whole. If you prayed that prayer today, call somebody. Call your local pastor. You can contact me by email. If you prayed that prayer today and you want to give your life to God, this is the time to come out of the crowd. If you're already saved and you know that you've been mixed up and mingled up in the crowd and you couldn't see clearly, today is your day. Thank God for you. Thank you all for joining. Thank you for supporting Eve's Corner and Campbell Ministries. If you'd like to donate, you may mail those donations to P.O. Box 16214, Jackson, Mississippi, 
The zip is 39236. Or you may go to the website at camelministries.com and simply click on the donate button. If you have questions or comments, if you like job relevance trainings for your community or your church, job readiness trainings, and or business etiquette trainings, you may contact me by email with your proposal. That address is acampbell681 at ymail.com. And if you would like to support my big sister's closet, you may also mail those dress donations for young ladies who can't afford to go to prom because they don't have a dress. To Also at P.O. Box 16214, Jackson, Mississippi, 39236. God bless you and God keep you. Until next time is my prayer. Oh, oh, oh.